What's up, everybody? Welcome in to episode number 50 of the Fantasy Scouts podcast. I am your host, Chad Workman, joined by my fellow scouts, Sam Ehrman and Matt Nine. Today on the show, more free agency news, more trade news. There's so much happening around the NFL. It's just headline after headline, tough to keep up. So we will keep you up to date on the latest landing spots and what we make of the fantasy football fits. In addition, we are going to talk some tight ends. Last week, Matt and I gave you some running back buys and sells. Today, we're going to do tight ends, which we haven't talked a lot about this offseason. So give you a little bit of insight into the tight end landscape. As always, head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts. Subscribe there. Sample our content at ffballday.com. Let's get into it, fellas. All right, first up, we have Deshaun Watson heading to Cleveland. Um, there's a lot to make of this, obviously, he, you know, the morality stuff, the off-the-field issues and, and complications with the legal situation. Originally, the Browns were told that they were out. They kept pushing and gave him the most guaranteed money of all time. So he ended up agreeing to go to Cleveland. The biggest thing, you know, we're here to discuss the fantasy football implications, not the morality of the situation. Uh, You know, there's a lot being discussed, especially with them converting or giving so much of his money in year one into a signing bonus and minimizing his first year salary to a million dollars so that if he gets suspended, it's it doesn't cost him much, all that kind of stuff. There's so much going on about that, but let's talk about the fantasy football implications. Start with you, Sam. I want to know how you feel about Deshaun Watson, where you kind of rank him, you know, with the suspension baked in, because that's, you know, we have to consider that. And then what kind of impact does he have on the Browns offense as a whole? Um, well, I think with the morality thing, the thing that you mentioned, um, you know, say what you will about it. Um, but I think what the Browns did, I mean, say what you will about it, it. I think it was really just more of the example of how many teams really wanted him and how bad teams were really going to go to get him. And I think teams, the minute that not guilty sentence was delivered, they didn't care. I mean, they knew he was going to play. They don't care. And if you can get better on the field with Deshaun Watson, you do it. And for the on the football field move with them, I like it because they, they did give up three firsts and some some picks, but they'll get at least something. I mean, probably a, a day three pick for Baker for whoever wants him. I mean, if if they can move him, but um, you know, I know that they said they wanted an adult at quarterback, and up until these allegations, um. Deshaun Watson had been exactly that. And I think their belief is if he's not guilty with, you know, that stuff, they hope he's not guilty at all. And then they can move forward because Deshaun Watson, like it's hard to put it in words, but like up until then, like I said, like he was that stand up character, but I don't even think even if he did gets not guilty on these, you know, in the, you know, the civil cases, if that will ever go away, like I think that stigma will always follow him. That's, I don't know how 
teams will react. Some players may not want to play with him. I mean, some guys in the locker room may be pissed that they went and traded for the guy that, you know, had all these allegations. Like, there's that, and that's that's a reality. I mean, there's a chance where guys are like, oh, I'm not playing with that dirtbag, uh, murder or not, not murder, but rapist or whatever. And, um, so, I mean, I don't. I don't anticipate that happening, but I mean, there's a chance that could. And if that does, that could implode the entire thing. So, I mean, that right there is risk. And then you have risk. I mean, if he does get guilty and the suspensions and stuff, I mean, he's going to miss time. Um, Plus, I mean, he hasn't played in a year. I mean, you don't even really know what you're getting. I mean, we saw what he was the last time he was on the field. And he's a pretty good player, top five in the league. But now you're going to Cleveland, cold weather. The city's already not really sure if they wanted you. And now you're going to be on a run-heavy team. Like, what are his fantasy implications? I, he'll be a QB1, but I don't know if he'll ever be, you know, what he was. And I say that because, I mean, he's two years older and he's on a more run-heavy offense. While I do anticipate the offense being more efficient and him being able to check out of some things and that offense being able to do more, because he is better than Baker Mayfield in every aspect of the game, I don't know how much it's going to actually change the offense. So I think that limits some of his fantasy upside. So, I mean, if you can move him for someone like a similar tier, like a Herbert or Lamar, I would do it and move on. Um, If you don't want the headache or any of the potential drama or have to deal with suspensions or anything, um, as for everybody around them, I think it, upticks everybody i think it's going to make the offense better um so i mean with a better offense being more efficient scoring more touchdowns it's going to boost everybody on the field um it just depends on how much and who that is i mean right now his wide receivers are not on the team outside of amari cooper um so i think there's some work to be done in there um so i mean i guess i'm excited some for fantasy but i i don't know if I don't know what his cost is right now, but I think his peak value is past just based on he's not going to be on a team that needs to throw 60 times anymore to be competitive. So I think there's some win-loss draws right there in fantasy. But, I mean, overall, I mean, honestly, I think I'm just more excited that it's over with and we can move on. Yeah, agreed on the the move on. But before we do move on, um, <laughs> let's keep talking about it for a little bit. Uh, Matt, what do you – what do you think? Do you agree with um, some of what Sam said in terms of his kind of peak being behind him? I, it's tough to say. I don't know. I mean, obviously the Browns aren't as bad as the Houston team that he was on is. So just by default, they're not going to have to pass as much as he did before. But I also doesn't think, I also don't think that Stefanski continues to run the ball 30 to 40 times a game because now he has an elite QB that he can, increase the size of the playbook with um so i think deshaun watson from a talent perspective is still tier one along with the guys of mahomes and josh allen and stuff like that but i i do wonder where he falls this season is it tier one for fantasy or is it tier two as far as the quarterbacks go so i i think that'll be interesting to see i don't definitely don't think the best is is behind him i mean he it's 26 years old. He's an elite player on the field. Uh, he's had a historic season the last time we saw him. He's one of five players in NFL history to throw for 70-plus uh, percent completion percentage and eight-and-a-half yards per attempt. Uh, and the other four guys that did it all went to a Super Bowl at some point in their career. So 
if he doesn't go to a Super Bowl at some point in Cleveland history suggests that he's an outlier. Uh, he is that good. So I don't know if if his prime has passed per se, uh, but it, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it's team dependent. I wouldn't mind trading for him. I wouldn't mind trading him away. It's just kind of where you're feeling. I recently traded him away. Uh, I traded Watson in a 2023 third, and I got back Trevor Lawrence in a 2023 one, and the one should be around the four or five spot. So at least puts me in contention and I can move up again. So my mindset was, you know, I flipped Watson for Lawrence and possibly CJ Stroud or Bryce Young or one of the top running backs and wide receivers of the 23 class. So I'm okay with that move. So if you could do something like that, that then I would. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, there's a few things that I would add. First of which is that, you know, you mentioned maybe not being as run heavy with an elite quarterback. I think that's fair. Just looking back, though, Stefanski in his his full season as the offensive coordinator in Minnesota had the third, fourth lowest uh, pass rate at 52%. They ran 48% of the time, which, of course, that's with Kirk Cousins, not Deshaun Watson. So some things changed there. But looking back at Deshaun Watson, the last season that he played, uh, one thing I remember is him throwing the ball downfield, and he was um, – number two in adjusted yards per attempt, number one in yards per attempt, um, you know, just his his downfield throwing, um, loves to push the ball downfield. So I, I really like it for, you know, Amari Cooper, whomever else they bring in. I, I'm sure they will add at least, a, you know, Will Fuller, something like that. They might even draft somebody still. If Donovan Peoples-Jones finds his way onto the field. I do like it for him because he's been a downfield target his entire career thus far, but I do expect them to add a wide receiver or two, and, and he probably won't be a consistent producer, but he's had a monster dot his entire career. He was number four in terms of dot last year and number three in terms of yards per reception. So I kind of like it for him and his development, but um, you know, I have Nick Chubb in a lot of places. I've been a Nick Chubb fan for a while, and I think ultimately you just have to appreciate that this offense can get better with increased scoring opportunities. And somebody like Nick Chubb is already so efficient on his amount of touches that, you know, he can be even more efficient with a better quarterback and a better threat of, you know, the deep ball and stuff like that. So that's kind of how I look at it, but um, I'm kind of with the, I'm kind of lean towards what Sam said in terms of, probably just wanting to sell him, just knowing what he's been through and been out of football and just the question marks, but it depends on what you can get. I'm also fine, you know, holding on to him. Uh, you know, I think he's going to be in that mid tier of quarterback ones. So that's kind of how I look at it. Uh, what do you got, Matt? You got another uh, comment? Yeah. I was just going to say that I, I agree with you on Stefanski. Like it may not change, but just from my perspective as, as a viewer, I have a hard time believing that you give up as much as they did and pay him as much as they did to keep it the exact same. Yeah, no doubt. That's uh that's fair. I, I mean, you could, it, you, it's probably very similar to what the Sean McVay, Jared Goff, Matt Stafford stuff was like. It was like, I watched the Rams for years and it was like, Golf's not bad. He's capable, but man, we feel really limited. And it's like, I watched my Stafford for years. I'm like, man, this dude can do everything. And I always dreamed about it, but I didn't ever think it was going to happen. And then, I mean, obviously it happened. And so, I mean, you're right. Or I don't know what I was going to say. I'm going to say Chad. Um, (laughs) You're right, Chad. I mean, like, that's kind of what I meant. Like 
when the playbook can get open. Is I mean, I think it's going to give them be able to do so much more. And I think maybe they'll even try to use some of his running game. Like maybe we'll get some more RPOs or he'll, you know, pull it himself. Um, because the Browns obviously did not have any running threat from the quarterback position. And that alone could give them another like layer to the offense. Right. That's a, that's a good point because coaches have very extensive playbooks, right? Imagine you're a coach and you have to just X out a quarter of your playbook because the quarterback isn't capable. I mean, imagine you're at work or, you know, whatever your career path is and you have to just not utilize a quarter or a third of your skills because it somebody's not capable of handling it. Like that's yeah. what it's like. So that's a good point that it'll, it'll at least like open up the playbook to another extent, which is something, you know, even in Minnesota, he had Kirk cousins who's good, but he's not Deshaun Watson. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that playbook opens up for sure. Um, the other big news that came across was Devonte Adams traded to the Las Vegas Raiders, who then signed him to, I believe, an average of $28 million over five years, which is makes him like the 12th highest paid quarterback in the league. But um, in reality, it's more of a three-year deal with a little less guaranteed there. So, you know, it's, you know, the contract details can be disagreed upon. But the point is that just another incredible weapon in the AFC West uh, Devonte Adams reunites with his college quarterback Derek Carr. Um, I, th- I, th- a lot of people, you know, kind of dogging on this from the Packers' perspective, but I think it's a smart move to get out from this receiver when he's almost thirty. You don't want to pay him that much. They're paying so much to Aaron Rodgers now. They have tons of picks in a class that features some good wide receivers. They can go grab a couple and stock up there. So I kind of like it from their perspective. But I also think the Raiders desperately needed somebody like that in their offense. and They, they the wanted to pay him, though. Well, that's true. But I think it worked out for them, I guess. is, is It's possible. I mean, like, you don't really know until, like, they get on the field. Oh, uh, for sure, for sure. I just think that's – in terms of what, do you what, think? His, what history would suggest would say it's the right move. But Devontae Adams is different, fully acknowledging he could be great. But I'm just saying I think – you're paying Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you really want to pay the two of them like 80 million combined. Like that's just insane. And if Rodgers is as good as we all think he is, I mean, he should be able to utilize some other other receivers there. Now they have to go out and get them, unlike in the past, right? But I don't know. I mean, like you, I, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I just think there's two sides, and it's one of those things where we won't know until we get on the field because like, I think we know what it's going to do for Las Vegas. I mean, like I'm personally really excited for that connection. Like, I mean like that connection is what got Derek Carr and Devontae Adams in the league. And apparently they work out all the time and apparently they're best friends. So it's like, I'm curious to see what that's like on the field because growing up, this is going to sound, I mean like obviously this isn't the same, but growing up, my brother was my receiver. And I mean, the connection we had was unbelievable. And that was up until like we got to high school and it's like, they did that through college and they broke records together. What can they do in the NFL? So part of me thinks that he may just try to force feed Devante. Like, I mean, I know that he's got weapons around, but I know that when he needs a throw, if he, I mean like Devante is going to be his go-to guy. 
right? I mean, like, that's why he's coming there. So I think Devontae's still going to be a wide receiver one. I don't think he'll ever be what he was with Rodgers. I mean, he'll never catch 18 touchdowns again. That was a great season. But, um, I mean, he'll still be the one. And then um, Waller will probably still be a high tight end one just based on how good he is. This probably kills Renfro the most. Um, and then it really just obviously just finishes off Brian. But um, I'm, I'm still excited about it. I mean, the move is made for a reason. He's a great player. I mean, and you're right with the picks. As long as the Packers can hit on somebody, I know that um, I'm still feeling pretty confident on Amari Rodgers. I knew that last year was the developmental year, and I followed him on Instagram, and I actually sent him a message the other day. And he's working every day. I mean, every single day. I mean, he said that he was embarrassed by his rookie year. So, like, I mean, he has big expectations. And I was going through his Twitter, and I saw that, like, at right after the, the, the Devontae Adams trade, it, a bunch of people, including some Packers personnel, were like, all right, Amari, you're up next. Like, you're next, bro. Like, all right, you got next. Like, there's expectation in that room, in that building, that he's going to take a big jump. And he's putting in the work, and I'm excited. And I knew that it was going to be tough to watch last year. And I'm not supposed to be talking about him, but um, I guess I can't be help, help but be excited. It just so much has changed in the NFL in a week. And there's still a world where, um, you know, he becomes relevant. Um, and whoever they draft as their one becomes, you know, a tight end or a wide, wide receiver one. Um have the Packers said anything recently about trades or is it still just speculation that they're just going to try to draft somebody? As far as I've seen, it's still just speculation, especially given they're kind of in the sweet spot for drafting a wide receiver in the twenties there. Um, but I haven't heard anything in terms of trades or, or otherwise I haven't really heard anything about Julio, which was speculated and, and things like that. But I mean, you're right. It's a beautiful opportunity for somebody like Amari Rogers, right? Um, I think the other thing for the Packers that I didn't mention kind of the downside is Aaron Rodgers can be tough to work with, especially for young guys. And he had such a good relationship with Adam. So that is a little tough because you'll have to fit a new, a new guy in there, a young guy and Rodgers demands certain Ooh. things of his players. But in terms of, I just wanted to touch on real quick with, with Waller. I think, I think you, you hit it on the head in terms of it hurts Renfro the most. Adams is obviously going to be the go-to guy. He's going to soak up a ton of targets. And Waller has seen a ton of targets in the last few years. But, I mean, his how many of them are quality? Like, his catchable target rate was like 75%, which isn't horrible. That's last year. But that's number 24th among tight ends. His target premium, negative 24.7%, 37th in the league. I just feel like so many times he was bracketed over the top, especially once Ruggs went out and they lost him. So I think even if he gets a few less targets a game, um, Waller, I'm, I'm saying, I think they're going to be more quality and he's going to have more space to operate. So I, I think I like it for Waller, actually, just to open things up a bit. I do too, and I want to add that Part of my issue watching Derek Carr the past couple of years was that he was always, you know, check down to touchdown instead of touchdown to check down. And that's why Brian Edwards was never available to break out was because he always refused. To, like he was always looking for Waller first, 
and then Renfro, and then he would go to his primary read. It would just drive you crazy. Right. Like, That's a good point. But he has to look at Devontae, and that may force him to become more aggressive. And then you're absolutely right, opening up more stuff underneath for either Waller and or Renfro, because both of those guys are catch and run guys. And Waller, I mean, runs a 4-3 at his size. So, I mean, I'm not worried about Waller at all. I mean, Indy could even help his touchdown upside because he was never a touchdown guy. It was always PPR or a bunch of receptions because they never got in the end zone because everybody knew they were going to throw to him. Yeah, and especially I just think so many times when he would get down to the second and third level of the defense, you just have safeties, you know, bracketing him and – you just can't do that now. Like that's going to be Adams getting that treatment now. So I think it does open some things up. But what, it, what about? Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say. Plus, it helps his durability. He's not going to have to be dealing with 160 targets coming his way, taking hits on 130 of them, and then you know catching 120 balls. Like if he catches 70 balls for a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns this year, you know, that's still a high tight end one, and you're very, very, very happy. And he's on the field because last year you missed him for five games. Yeah, that's a really good point too. And I'll, you know, I'll take a, a whatever, 15 less receptions traded yeah, exactly. for a handful of touchdowns and full health. So absolutely. Uh, what about you, Matt? What do you, what do you make of the whole situation? I, I think it's a downgrade for everybody, but it's so, it's so minimal. I'm not sure it makes that big of an impact. If I'm a Devonta Adams owner, I definitely think I would be looked to selling because Derek Carr is not going to look at Adams the way Aaron Rodgers did. I mean, there was no one to compete with in Green Bay. And as you guys have alluded to here, you know, Waller and Renfro are on this team. They're established. They're going to have their own roles. You know, Devontae Adams isn't going to come in and demand this massive, you know, 38% type of target share or something like that. So it's a fine move. I I think I'd be looking to sell Devontae Adams for that reason. And, you know, he's getting up there in age. And, you know, if you could – flip Adams I would trade like Adams in a first for like a Jamar Chase or a Justin Jefferson I, I mean there's plenty of other elite guys that you can flip him for so I think that's the direction I'd be going there but everything else you guys you, you said was spot on yeah I think that's fair too that's uh I mean and also Adams is approaching 30 and that's kind of the notorious cliff right so we'll see I mean DeAndre Hopkins got his money signed to the biggest contract for a wide receiver Paired up with Kyler Murray, things looked great, and and he's kind of started to deal with more injuries and fallen off a little bit. So we'll see if Adams can maintain his his high level. I, I get the Devonta Adams, Derek Carr, Fresno State college hype. Like I get it, I understand it, but Derek Carr isn't even in the same stratosphere of quarterback that Aaron Rodgers was. So you, there is going to be a downgrade unless there are significantly more targets to make up for that. And I don't believe that that's the that's the case here. Do you do you believe, or I guess, does it change your fantasy perception of Derek Carr at all? I think Derek Carr gets a little boost. I mean, he's still a quarterback two to me. I, I don't I don't understand why people are pushing him into this QB one territory. He offers no rushing upside whatsoever. So I think he moves from a back end QB two to maybe a mid range QB two. So he does get an upgrade, but it's not enough to the point where I'm rushing to to the trade block to offer a first plus for him or something like that. If anything, hopefully it makes him more consistent because he was always one of these guys where he was always a QB too. But then man, he has those weeks where, where is he? Yeah. That's very true. Maybe that just helps. I mean, maybe that consistency is what helps him get to that QB two mid QB two level because no excuse now. 
I mean, he's yep. he's a really he's a really good quarterback. Like, I, I think people like these guys, these starters that we talk about, these franchise guys like Derek Carr. Like, it's so hard to nitpick them because like they're maybe what ten better on earth than he is. I mean, like real talk. Like, so it's like it's so hard to nitpick like some of these franchise guys because it's like you know if you want to complain about it, then it's like you could have somebody else. Like, you could be dealing with like. Literally, Mike Glennon and Jake Fromm, you know what I mean? Like, so I guess I always look at it as to be grateful you've got an established guy like a Derek Carr because those guys are hard to find and you don't win games and you get fired without them. That's what, ironically, I told Matt, be careful what you wish for a week or two before Russell Wilson. Man, I'm telling you, as an Indianapolis Colts fan, I mean, now we've got Matt Ryan, so I feel a little bit better, but like. You know, like two years now, what? But like, I, I grew up, like, I literally grew up like, oh, like, I know who's going to be quarterback next year. Oh, I know who's going to be quarterback next year. My entire life, like up until 2019, like, that's just how it is. And then like, life without it is not fun. It's very stressful. And you wish you could go back. So as long yeah. as it works out for, as long as Seattle gets a guy, they don't care. But if they never get a guy, it doesn't matter. And same with yeah. anybody who trades one of these quarterbacks, I guess. For sure. That's um I can't tell you how nice it is to not have to worry about who's gonna be under center for us this that season. Pillow is a little bit softer at night, ain't it? Yeah, yeah. It really is. is. <laughs> um, but that's a good segue. Matt Ryan heading to Indy, which I think is a great fit for them. The unfortunate thing is the AFC is just so loaded now. There's like eight nine, 10 future Hall of Fame quarterbacks, something like that. I mean, it's just, it's, it's absurd. So it's so loaded. Do they have enough? I mean, they're in, they're in a, when you look around AFC West is, is tremendous right now. The Colts, I mean, you know, they have the Texans and Jags in their division. They're in, they're in a pretty good place. I think Um, in terms of fantasy, I guess we'll start with you, Matt, since you are a Michael Pittman hype, uh, hype man, what do you, what do you, I, I know Matt Ryan is, is sort of nearing the end, but it, he hasn't had much to work with in Atlanta the last couple of years. Do you think he can kind of find that fountain of youth and, and help Michael Pittman's value? I do. So Michael Pittman last year put up, was it just over a thousand yards? I think six touchdowns, 130 targets. And that was, I feel like that's his baseline moving forward. And that was with a very poor, Carson Wentz. And I think the Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan, I do believe is an upgrade. And I think it is a big enough upgrade that we should see Michael Pittman take another step forward in production. Uh, Last year, uh, Matt Ryan had more air yards and more completed air yards than Carson Wentz did. His yards per attempt and completion percentage were also higher than Carson Wentz was. And he had significantly less to work with. It was Pitts, and that was basically it. Uh, You had Calvin Ridley there for a handful of games to start the year before he stepped away. So Matt Ryan did a lot more than Carson Wentz did last year with a lot less. So now we're putting Matt Ryan behind a good O-line with a true number one wide receiver, obviously a massive downgrade and tight end from Kyle Pitts to, you know, Moali Cox and Granson, but now he has an all pro running back behind him as well. And this is an uptick for everyone around the offense because Carson Wentz presented a little bit of a rushing threat and he struggled at dump offs. Matt Ryan is very good at dump offs and poses zero rushing threat. So we should see Jonathan Taylor get the ball more often than we did last year with Carson Wentz. But I think there's a chance that depending on how the chemistry goes, I'm not saying 
that Michael Pittman is Julio Jones, but there's a chance that Matt Ryan locks onto him like he did Julio. He gets that kind of treatment, depending on how that offense functions. They do have a second this year. I don't believe that they spend their second round pick on another wide receiver. And I don't think that they're going to bring in another alpha or X type guy. I think a Jarvis Landry type would be the guy that they look for now, which would also open up that passing game even more for Pittman. So right now Pittman is looking more like a, a, t- a high end wide receiver two than a back end wide receiver two. So I, I love this move for Indianapolis. I'm uh, finishing tweeting out Matt nine projects michael pittman as the next julio jones stated yep. as a fact no doubt uh, what do you think sam this is uh i think overall I, agree. I don't i don't think carson Wentz was horrible i i mean don't get me wrong man it was hard to watch him and he lived and died with every play and that's just literally his 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 that's his gift and his curse um and i mean Matt Ryan is Matt Ryan. I he's he's a point guard. He's Steve Nash. I mean, that's what he is. And he knows his job and he knows where to go to get the ball there. He's tough as nails. He, and he's going to have an offensive line for the first time in I I mean a long time. I mean, every time I think of Matt Ryan, the only thing I can think of is that picture where they were playing in the Rams in like 2016, 2017 where Literally all five defensive guys were tackling him, and then his offensive line was just standing in the background. You can see it. Like, that's all I could picture with Matt Ryan. And, yeah, he still always puts up 4,025, 30 touchdowns. Um, I think he's one of the best point guards to play, um, in a sense, and I'm really excited what he can do with this offense. I understand that there's going to be some weeks where he'll throw a lot, but it's probably going to be a lot of JT and – um, he's very intellectual, and um, Chris Ballard said today on the Pat McAfee show that uh, he was already getting ready to work, um, that he was texting guys saying, hey, like, I'm here to work. Like, I want to earn your respect. Let's go. Like, totally different than what the last quarterback had done. Um, take that for what you will. And they're excited. And Matt Ryan, despite what happened last year, I thought he had a good year. Um, and the, and the horrible situation and obviously losing Ridley. So I think everybody gets a bump. Um, and I think Matt nailed it on the head when he talks about JT getting some dump offs. Um, cause I mean, he knows, Hey, get the ball to your playmakers and he knows a hey, 11 and 20 are probably pretty good options to get the ball in their hands. So, um, and I will also say that, um, Chris Ballard today also did kind of reference that, that he would like to bring back T Y Hilton if T.Y. wants to come back. So take that for what it's will. Um, I would assume T.Y. is back for some sort of deal, but I don't think he'll be fancy relevant. He'll be more of just the team mentor, you know, get a few routes kind of guy. But um, take that for what it will, I guess. I I do think that they are going to run the ball. I don't I don't think we're going to take away over that, but – Looking at their schedule based on the the opponents that they played this season, I do think that teams are probably going to force Matt Ryan to beat them rather than letting JT run left and right. Uh, outside of their own division, they play the Steelers, the Chiefs, the Chargers, uh, the Eagles, Washington. They got the Patriots, Broncos, Raiders, Cowboys, Giants, and Vikings. I mean, this is not an easy schedule. They play part of the AFC North, the entire AFC West, the NFC East. You know, you probably win those games, but this schedule is not light whatsoever. So I feel like, and 
I alluded to this and so did um, I, I've tweeted his stuff out multiple times. Uh, Dwayne McFarlane had also said with this in any kind of other game script that the Colts had last year, other than the one that they did have Michael Pittman's a wide, a dynasty wide receiver one because they were ahead so often last year and they ran the ball so much. They lost most of their games by one possession and late because Carson Wentz decided to put the ball in his left hand and throw these like little floaters out there for pick sixes, but they were in every game. So now I think we're coming into 2022 where they're not going to be ahead as often. I think they're going to be in more neutral game scripts, which is going to, allow that offense to pass more than what we saw last year. So I think that elevates everybody's passing game in that offense. Yeah. I, uh, you make a good point. I do think some of those games, some of the ones you listed, I can absolutely see are going to be like immediately. My, you said that they played the AFC East and you talked about the Patriots immediately. I know that one's going to be not a very fun one for fantasy, but uh, outside of that, I mean, you make a good point. Um, some of those games will disappoint. That's just how fantasy goes. But when you think overall, you know, do you think, okay, we just talked about him, Derek Carr with his new upgrades or Matt Ryan in Indianapolis. In, in what respect? Like for fantasy, like in 2022. Oh, so each quarterback in fantasy. Yeah. Who would you rather take? That's tough. They're probably they're close They're close. Yeah. So probably both. High to mid QB twos with QB one upside. I would take I would I'd take Carr just because I think I like his weapons a little better, yeah. and also just being in the AFC West, like you're gonna have more shootout type games. Yeah. Where I think you're oh, right, yeah. Sam. Very good point. Matt Ryan, they probably won't ask him to do too much, but when he needs to, he'll be more capable than somebody like Wentz. And I'm just looking at like his completion percentage when he was pressured last year was 54% fourth best in the league. He's going to have a clean pocket more than not. So maybe he even improves a bit because he was on a struggling team where they were asking him to do too much. Now he has, he can rely on Jonathan Taylor. He has, you know, an outlet in Michael Pittman and, and things like that. So we might see some improvement from him, but I think, I think overall cars probably going to put up more numbers. I think you nailed it on the head when you see when you said improvement because we don't need to see Matt Ryan return to MVP form because last year's baseline is a low bar. If that's easy, if that's improved upon by even ten to fifteen percent, the offense is going to look a lot different and guys are going to score a lot more fantasy points because of it. I'm honestly, this is really random, but you you keep talking about the quarterbacks in the AFC. I'm excited to see next year who fails. Because one of those guys out in the AFC West is going to fail. True. I mean, is it with fail. those weapons? Is it going to be car with those weapons? Fail like, how, though? Like, not make the playoffs? Yeah, maybe I mean, like, somebody has, like, it is statistically not possible for every one of those teams to go above 500. So somebody's going to fail. Who is it going to be and why? That's true. I don't know. It's, I mean, I, 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 I would to. guess either the Chargers or uh, Las Vegas. I would too, but I'm I'm obviously a little biased. The only reason I say the Chargers is because they're still a young team. Brandon Staley made some some mistakes. They seem to they just don't quite have that winning culture yet. I think Herbert is awesome. I think I disagree with the Chargers, and I say that because they disappoint every year, though. Uh, well, no, this is a new staff, and um, the, the, I like the moves they've made in the free agency with going to get Cleo Mack 
and JC Jackson. I'd like they're getting winning culture guys who understand how to do little details. And that's exactly what um, he was. I don't remember his name. The GM's name was Tom Telesco was talking about in a recent interview is where they felt they failed this past season was they didn't have enough guys from a winning culture or pedigree to get them over the top. And that's why they went and got JC Jackson and Khalil Mack because they want those guys that are leader guys who know how to do all the details on the defense um, to improve because he said that the defense was a joke and he knows he said in a, something along the lines of we got Herbert we know we can cook we're going to keep giving him eggs and I, I think he meant like along the lines of eggs as in weapons um, and they just signed Gerald Everett and they talked about some of the mistakes that he made on time management and where they can improve and um, they talked about like what they're going to do to improve in those mistakes so I believe him just based off of everything that I've heard on the charges. I am, I think Justin Herbert's special too. So you're not, you're going to have me arguing with the blue in the face that it won't be the Chargers. What if, what if it's the chiefs, which nobody's talking about? They started super slow last year. They lost Tyron Matthew, Matthew, their defensive captain. I mean, nobody thinks it's them. I guess, hold on. Well, here's on a that. perfect segue to the next segment. Well, Jude, I want to, one more thing I, I want to point out is, in terms of you know maybe seeing some improvement from Matt Ryan without asking him to overextend himself and having this offense, who do you know who his four leading target getters were after Kyle Pitts? Kyle Pitts had 110. The next four guys highest target Russell, total: Russell Gage, Zacchaeus, Olamides, Zacchaeus, Cordell Patterson, and Mike, Mike uh, Davis. Oh, hold on, he was number 17. Oh, oh. Uh, no. No, it, it wasn't 17. It, it was it was Mike Davis. Oh it it, well Zacchaeus. Okay, I wouldn't have got that. Zacchaeus I was thinking is 17. 17. Zacchaeus is 17. Yeah. So he was okay. in there too. So, but you know, I mean No, I get your point. From I yeah. one last thing I will say though about Matt Ryan to the Colts from a real life football perspective, all he has to do is beat Tannehill. That's it. And they're yeah. in the playoffs. Because they get the automatic bid for winning the division. So that's all he has to do. <laughs> Okay, I don't mean to just keep getting us off topic, but who is that team right next, right now, the next year, who was not a playoff team that was kind of garbage? Who's going to find that magic elixir? The Broncos. Uh, that's not magic elixir. You traded for Russell Wilson. That's not like a surprise. I'm talking like the team that like just comes out of nowhere. Like, I don't know if there is going to be one this year. Just but there always is. Like who know, was the Bengals this year? I know, but the AFC has never been this good. Top to bottom, at least uh, in my. Yeah, but some one of those teams are going to have to fail, and some of these teams have to win their divisions. Like, I don't I mean, know. The, I don't know, the Jets, if Zach what, Wilson takes a lead, the Dolphins. The te- what if it's the Texans, AFC South? What if Davis Mills keeps developing? They hit on some of these draft picks. Then what? I mean, yeah, the Jets. They were a crappy team last year. They kept the same offense. They're going to get you know, better. Maybe um, the Dolphins. What's up with the Teddy Bridgewater situation? Do you see he won't like? Apparently, they're giving him a decent amount of money, and in his interview, he didn't, he wouldn't specify if they said he was the backup or coming to. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Like, after, is he actually going there to compete, or is he just messing with the media? I think after hearing his press conferences for a year, I think that's just how he is. I don't think. I don't know. Oh, you yeah. Well, you had him for two years, didn't you? No, just one. Wow, that was a long year with Teddy. Wow. Yeah, no kidding. 
<laughs> All right, let's uh I mentioned the Chiefs. They got Juju, which I don't think was a surprise. They were in on him last year. Um, they kind of struggled to start the year last year, and um, they lost, obviously, Teron Matthew. Um, I don't think it'll be them, but there's I mean, there's a chance that they start to struggle with, with the Mahomes contract and some other guys falling off and things. But overall, uh, Sam, what do you think of Juju in Kansas City? I mean, it has to help their offense, even if Juju's not the elite player that people once thought he was, right? Yeah, I think it helps because he's a consistent option. And you know when he goes over the middle, he's not going to drop the ball. Like, he's going to catch the ball when it hits his hands. And that's why Juju Smith-Schuster is so reliable. Is That is something that Mikko Hardman just cannot do. He just cannot catch the football. I just I don't know whatever it is, but he can't catch football. And Juju has some of the best hands in the NFL in terms of going over the middle, holding the ball, taking shots, coming down with the ball in contested situations. Juju is never a guy to create separation. He was always a guy who was, you know, decent in contact and over the middle. And I think he's going to help give them another layer. Um, I just don't know. Like, is this the year that maybe Travis Kelsey starts to fall off, but not because he's falling off, but maybe because there's more viable options around him? Because, I mean, if Juju is going to be viable, somebody has to take a hit because, I mean, the only two people he's been throwing to for the past two years is Tyreek and Kelsey. So, I mean, if Juju is going to become reliable or, I mean, viable, doesn't that have to impact one of those two in some sort of fashion? In theory, in theory. What do you so, think I mean, like, that? is it going to be the 32, 33-year-old tight end, or is it going to be the dynamic 4-2 speed runner? I mean, if I'm betting, it's going to be the tight end. Yeah, that's a good point. He's uh, he's 32. He'll turn 33 in October, shortly yeah. after the season starts. So yeah, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not saying I'm out on Travis Kelsey, because, I mean, obviously, if you have Travis Kelsey, you would love to have him. But I'm just – I think right if you're going to sell him, if you believe Juju is going to become anything more than a 50 reception guy, then you need to move off of Kelsey because I would assume that both of those middle of the field guys are going to start kind of impacting each other. That was my initial thought too, is as soon as Juju signed there, I'm like, what happens to Travis Kelsey? Cause it's not going to affect Tyreek Hill whatsoever, but yeah, I have nothing to add to that. I'm, I'm interested to see what Kelsey does with Juju and how involved Juju is. Yeah, if Juju is not really involved and he's like Miko Hardman and just runs routes but actually catches the ball when it comes his way, then I think he's fine. But I think Juju's going there with the intention to produce because that's a one-year bet-on-myself contract. That's exactly what that is. So I think he's promised the result or the opportunity to go in there and produce. The thing, though, is he's he's kind of like a – a bigger slot guy it's it's i don't think he's gonna be somebody that they're asking you know they're not gonna manufacture a ton of touches for him he's just gonna be that big underneath slot guy um but i think you're right if anything that seems like it would take away from kelsey more than more than anything but i don't know it would be interesting to see um so once the matt ryan trade was completed uh marcus mariota signed with the Atlanta Falcons, it's a two-year deal. I believe it's they can get out after one. Um, he's another guy I mentioned for a long time, along with Trubisky, just to hang on to. In case he lands a starting job, I don't think he's a long-term answer there or anywhere, but he obviously has some some rushing upside. Any thoughts on 
just this situation. I mean, it's tough. I think the biggest question is how does it affect Kyle Pitts because he's the real um, fantasy guy there. But even, you know, Cordero Patterson, who they brought back and and he was great in that system. I don't know. What, what do we make of this offense now, Matt? <laughs> he doesn't know. That's, Shrugs his shoulders. Yeah. So, so, so what? I oh mean, God. I mean, I get that Marcus Mariota was Arthur, you know, elect Arthur Smith when they were in Tennessee together, but it's so what? It's still Kyle Pitts. Uh, the only thing that does is, is a little bit interesting to me is like you alluded to, you said the two year deal, but they can get out after one. I wonder if they draft a quarterback at eight. Like, I just, I wonder if if they like someone enough, they get Marcus Mariota in there, you know, like a Malik Willis. I, I believe Phil mentioned that in the chat w- would be the perfect guy. You know, Mariota, same, relatively same skill set, sit, sit for a year and come in at 23 and be the guy. Like, I, I wonder if that's on the table. I haven't heard any conversation about Atlanta being interested in a quarterback, but that was also before they traded theirs away. So I wonder if maybe a QB at eight makes sense for them now. That's the only way because you would have to assume, I don't believe, what is it, 15 million for 2023 for, for Mariota? I don't, I don't believe that they're going to pay him that. So he's probably going to get cut. And then they don't have a quarterback again unless they truly believe that they're vying for the 101 in 2023 for Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud. So we'll have to wait and see. But I, I think Mariota is a, a one-year experiment regardless of what happens. Yeah, I think so too. Especially if you have him in Dynasty, like if you can get something for him, like yeah, definitely. He got that same kind of money Trubisky did. It's bridge QB money. If you can flip either one of those guys at this point, I'd be looking to do it. Yeah. Um, my, th- I think, I think you're right with it being a one year experiment, regardless. And I wouldn't say he's guaranteed to be cut because there is a thought process, that, and the same with Mitchell Trubisky, is that this is a former number two overall pick who just sat for a couple of years and who believes he's ready for an opportunity. Um, And I, the talent was never the issue with Marcus Mariota. Like he could play. He was just inconsistent because he wasn't willing to be aggressive. And if he was able to kind of figure that out, I think there's a chance he can revitalize his career. Um, And in fantasy, he's rather safe just because of his rushing upside or rushing floor. Um, I don't know if he'll be the answer. And my guess is probably not, but I think Atlanta is looking at this is like exactly kind of what Matt just said is all right. Well, if he's not the answer, then in 2023, we can bring Bryce Young right home. I mean, he doesn't got to move far. That's kind of probably the hope is or well, CJ Stroud. I mean, and, and if he does hit, then great. You found your quarterback for dirt cheap and free agency. Congratulations to you. And that's kind of what it is. I just looking Bryce Young him. wouldn't technically be going home he's from California well you know what I mean Alabama yeah. yeah but I think you you look at the division though it just and they don't have a very good team they don't really have any weapons outside of Kyle Pitts Calvin Ridley I don't know if he appealed the suspension but probably wouldn't pass anyway so like the, the O-line is bad. Yeah, his mobility is fine, but I don't know how much that's actually going to help. Like, yeah, it can help take some pressure off the offensive line because having a versatile guy and defense is having to know, okay, maybe I can't be so aggressive here because he's not a statue. I mean, like that can help the offensive line a little bit, but I don't know if it's going to help enough where, I mean, the, it's just a bad team. I mean, I'm so that's <laughs> – like, it's just a bad team. Even if he is good, I don't even know what he's going to do with it. Like, 
if he goes out there and balls, I mean, he could just go out there and light it up and they could win three games. Yeah. I think that's the biggest question that people want to know is how much does it affect Pitts? I mean, are you worried if you roster him? Are you just no. hanging on and no? No, I think you understand that he is by far the most important pass reception, pass receiving option on that team, and he's going to get his. Marcus Mariota knows how to target big guys, and um, you know, they'll bring somebody in. I think they're more likely to draft somebody with – draft a wide receiver in the first round than they are to take a quarterback. But especially, yeah, if they have their eyes on a 2023 quarterback, it makes sense to get one of these receivers in there now. And then maybe Ridley comes back. They probably trade him in a year, but that's still another, you know, asset that you have coming in next year. So I think that's a decent plan. I think it's wild how the past couple of years we've seen the Jags and the Lions have bad teams. They generally pick first or second in the draft. But those teams are not nearly as bad as what this Falcons team is right now. Like this is this is a really really bad. Football. Okay, serious serious question. Outside of Marcus Mariota, Kyle Pitts, can, who else is on their team? That's it. Cordero Patterson. Oh and- yeah. Ooh, the thirty-two-year-old converted running back wide receiver like that's how bad this team is frank is a massive bust in the nfl is playing three positions for them yeah i just i'm not hating on cordell patterson good on him he's making the best of his opportunity but like i should say something like i just yep um let's uh let's move on from this horrible (laughs) situation i'm disgusted talking about it um What's left? I mean, we can make this quick, but Baker is now sitting out there without really a chair in this musical chairs game. I have to wonder, not necessarily just for Baker, but Washington has to have some regrets. They they seem like they were desperate and they jumped at Carson Wentz because they thought it was the last opportunity. We've seen so many guys get moved since then, including, I mean, they could have been a Matt Ryan suitor. Uh, other guys, not just Baker, but I'm talking like, some of these other names that have been shuffled, I think they have to have some regrets. But, Matt, it seems know. like Seattle's the only viable spot for Baker, and I don't know if he's a fit there with Pete Carroll. And I, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I don't I don't believe that Baker's traded. I think he's going to be on the roster all summer long, and we're going to go into training camp, and he's going to get cut. And then I think somebody's going to pick him up for cheap. Diana Rossini reported this morning, uh, which uh, Mike Garofalo repeated earlier today around noon on NFL Network and said that Seattle called and they were poking around that they were interested, but they were never truly in. John Schneider was not a fan of Baker Mayfield in the pre-draft process, but other guys he's brought into the front office since then that were in Cleveland have been advocating for him, but he gets the ultimate decision. He said he wasn't a fan, and the, both Garofalo and Rossini said that Seattle's absolutely content with rolling uh, with Drew Locke as the quarterback in 2022, and that is their intention. They want to bring in a vet to back him up, but not really to compete with him. Seattle is truly interested to see what Drew Locke has. Now, we as a fantasy community can hate and belittle Drew Locke all we want, but you know, I, I believe I said this two years ago, and Sam and I both said this and we tweeted about it. The NFL views Drew Locke in a much different light than the fantasy, than the fantasy community does. So Drew Locke is going to get one more chance, and it seems it's going to be in Seattle. And if he's not any good, then they're going to be right there at the top of the draft uh, next year with Atlanta uh, going for one of those big name quarterbacks as well. And there's also a chance that uh, I don't believe Seattle's going to take anybody at nine. I, 
the history says that they're going to trade back. So I wouldn't be out of the realm of possibilities that Seattle rolls with Drew Locke as QB1. And then after the draft, they take a, a Matt Corral in round two or something like that. And then that's that's the QB room uh, for the season. But the only way that I think he ends up in Seattle if he, if he, is if he's cut at some point and he, he's willing to come in cheap and probably back up because yeah. there, there's no real spot left to where he can start. I was going to say, even if he does go to Seattle, I don't know if he beats out Drew Locke. I tweeted in January as well that I didn't think Drew Locke was that far off, and Denver mismanaged him from the jump. I mean, he he had to learn like four different systems while he was there. The fan base was down on him. The coaches never liked him or had any confidence in him. It was just a terrible situation. So I'm sort of with you there. I think with Baker, Carolina might be desperate enough, but I know their offensive coordinator, McAdoo, wasn't a fan of him in the draft process when he was with the Giants. There's been some quotes about that. And then John Dorsey, who drafted Baker, is with the Lions. They could potentially bring him in to compete with Goff, but I don't know if there's really a a reason or a need for that, maybe if he does get cut late in the process. But other than that, I I don't know. I think think for Baker, it is a – and he he lacks awareness of his own talents and his own levels of maturity – he is not mature. People don't view him as mature across the league. He's not a good quarterback statistically since he walked into the league. He's been a bottom third quarterback every single year, except for uh, apparently a stretch his rookie year. And But he thinks he's good. He thinks he deserves a job. He thinks he's better than he actually is, and he's unwilling to accept a piece of, a piece of humble pie, if you will. So honestly, in my opinion, if he ever wants to start again in the NFL, he needs to take a Jameis Winston, Mitchell Trubisky path. He needs to he needs to get humbled. He needs to sit for a year behind somebody who's established, who knows what they're doing and learn and then try and come back in 2023. But if he if he keeps trying to to this, you know, entitled, I'm better than I actually am attitude, then I he's going to be out real quick because that's going to turn a lot of people off. Agreed. Well, I I, I don't disagree with a lot of things you said. Um, people ask where I thought Pete Baker was going to play, and two weeks ago I was telling them uh, the CFL or the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and they thought I was joking, and you know, I, 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 I wasn't. I, I've been around the dude. I mean, I never like. Here's the thing: I never communicated with him, but I was like around him. I just see how I just I was. It was his rookie year, but like I still saw how he like interacted with people and how he acted, and then just his operation on the field and just. He writes checks his abilities can't cash, and I'll just leave it at that. And um, I just don't think he's somebody who's – I mean, I don't think – not only do I think he didn't deserve to be drafted number one, um, he doesn't have the ability to lead a team. He doesn't make people around him better, um, even off the field. I mean, and that and that's where, you know, I think – where he would where he went wrong and the reason why he doesn't have a suitor is, is and Matt noted it is it's his attitude like you can suck in the NFL but if you have a positive attitude you will get a second opportunity absolutely but if you suck in the NFL and you have a piss poor attitude you're going to have a hell of a time finding a second opportunity and that's what the browns are realizing right now with baker is man nobody wants this guy Nobody wants this cancerous little prick who walks around acting like he's God. I mean, like, then that's what it is. And it's, do you really want to bring in Baker Mayfield with a room with Sam Darnold? The guys that were drafted, like, first and third overall, like, in the same year. 
and, and knowing that one of the coaches didn't like him then, I mean, I just, I just don't see a place for him. I mean, I, I, I'm looking at the list of 32 teams on my, on my board and I, I literally, I'm going through and I don't know where I could see him landing and, and being successful in the NFL. I, I just, I don't think he's good enough. And then, I mean, yeah, you can complete passes and he's accurate when he's mostly healthy, but I mean, he's been in the league four years. He's been hurt two of the years, you know, and then he's always running his mouth. It's like, I just, I don't know. Last thing I'll say before we move on to the next topic is that also a bunch of teams were pursuing Deshaun Watson and I don't remember Matt Ryan or Jalen Hurts or Drew Locke or any of these other quarterbacks that their team was potentially interested in tweeting out, tweeting out a you know a boohoo me tweet. So yeah, there's a level of maturity that has to has to get better. Otherwise, he's not going to get better. Well, yeah. yeah if you want to have that perspective, then just play better, and you won't be yeah, in that the, situation. So, and that's the thing is like he came out and did that, and it's like. In all the NFL, there's been, I mean, year after year after year after year, there are guys who get replaced at every position. And I've never once seen somebody come out and make a post about how they were upset that they're about to get replaced. Like, he probably knew the trade was going down when he made that that post. That's why he did it. And then, like, just sapped about it. But, I'll, Chad, I also wanted to reach back. Uh, you said way at the beginning of this segment um, – you said you think uh, the commanders are probably having some regrets about Carson Wentz. I, I don't think they are. And I say that because Carson Wentz is a very frustrating guy to watch. And he overall, he did have a solid year last year. I think Chris Ballard said it best today. And I didn't think about it until he said it today, where he had been in the same system his entire career. And then they moved him to Indianapolis, the same system. And there was no room to grow. He already knew everything in the system and then he wasn't really challenged and you know like then that's why he was holding the ball he felt like he needed to make the play because you know he knew the play was over and stuff so he thought that a, a change of scenery and a new scheme and having to earn his way into respect was a good thing for Carson and um Washington's excited and he's not given the keys like he, they didn't give him much they're paying him a lot of money but they, they didn't pay a lot to get him I mean, they paid a second and a third, no, right? They paid a third and a potential conditional second if he plays seventy percent of the snaps. That's still more than Matt Ryan. I'd rather have Matt well, Ryan for a couple of years. And but they, the thing is, is and this is why I wanted to go back to it is Russ didn't want to play there. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't want to play there, and yeah, I'm pretty right. sure Matt Ryan didn't want to play there. Matt Ryan only wanted to go to a competitive team that had similar ideals and really the only team in the NFL that made sense for him was Indianapolis Colts. And that's what he said in his press conference today. So it's like the, for the commanders, it was Carson or bust if you want a veteran. And then they're still looking at the draft. I mean, like it's very possible that with their draft pick, they take somebody and make Carson earn it. I mean, they, my conversations with guys and where they are is, the, while there's not really much regret that they didn't take Chase because, like, at the time, yada, 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 but they're hell and bound and determined to get the quarterback right this year, and they are not determined that it, they've got their guy yet, in a sense. So they're going to keep looking. So 
you know, they got Carson and they may bring, bring someone else in. And if one of those two guys work, I think that's where they're at. But I don't think they have regrets about this situation. That's fair. Um, other free agency news and notes. The only thing I can think of that happened uh, just recently is Leonard Fournette or of, you know, big significance is Leonard Fournette, three years, 21 million back to Tampa Bay. Any immediate reactions on that, Sam? Uh, he just keeps his job the exact same. They'll, I mean, it is what it is. He'll be an RB2 with some RB1 weeks. Um, and five minutes ago, Sleeper just posted that Mike White signed a one-year extension with the Jets. So, I mean, there's his backup. Or he'll stay to backup Zach. I mean, outside of that, I don't really know if he missed anything important. I think for net returning, we can take Tampa off the the list for potential spots for an early round running back. We can also guarantee at least the for a few hours or a few months – there's no Keyshawn Vaughn hype train that I'll have to listen to. That is probably true. I wouldn't be surprised if they draft somebody late and um, he competes with Vaughn. But Leonard Fournette's done everything for them, so he's very valuable to that team. I think it's good for both sides. Um, all right. that's. Uh, is, is there any other things with free agency you guys want to discuss before we move on? Or trades or, or whatever? Uh think that's i mean so much has happened but i think that's that kind of covers the oh you know what actually there is a minor signing um the panthers who what wide receiver did they sign it was uh da, 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 richard higgins um csu rams in the house that could he could, he that could take Curtis marshall's job yeah that's that that could very well be it if he can't yeah. beat out richard higgins and his career is probably over in carolina while I don't know if that's going to be the case, um, the Panthers also restructuring Robbie, Robbie's deal to keep him there kind of also heard it, the the potential trade rumors for the Marshall hype. But um, I wanted to note Rashard Higgins because he's not a bad player. Like he'll make the roster. Solid. Yeah. yeah. He's a solid four, viable three. And if Terrace Marshall can't beat him out, that says a lot. Yeah, perfect depth option that can step into a bigger role if needed. So, yeah. Um, all right. Last week, Matt, you and I talked about running back buys and sells. One position group that we haven't really talked about this offseason is tight ends, especially now that some of the uh, the big free agent names have have kind of landed. Wanted to circle back on some tight end buys and sells. So, Matt, why don't you kick us off with uh, one or two tight end buys? You're on mute, buddy. There you go. I think at first buy, I'm going to go with I'm, – I'm going back to the well. I'm going with Irv Smith. I like him. He's a good football player. He's He is undersized for a tight end. I believe he's 6'2", so he's a little smaller than what we like to see. But he's a good football player. He had a really good career at Alabama. And he's primarily going to play the slot. And he's actually not even bad. In 2019, he was a top 18 pass blocker in the league. It's, it's a tight end position. Uh, last year, uh, or excuse me, last year he missed, so it would have been 2020. Uh, he, he had a, a worse year pass blocking, but he graded out the exact same as Noah Fant. So as far as being able to play tight end, he's pretty good, but he's a better slot guy. So I think in this Viking offense, he's going to play the slot more than he is going to be in line, and I'm excited about that. I get that 
you know, player profiler shows that he's unathletic and he's a loser and this and this and this. And look, he's 23 years old. He hadn't been in the league that long. We know tight ends take several years to develop potentially. And now he's going to be in an offense that's functioning. And it's a guy that comes over from LA where Tyler Higby was featured quite a bit. So I'm definitely excited about the potential path that Irv Smith has this year. And as for a tight end sell, I think I'm going with Gerald Everett. I don't understand the hype whatsoever, like at all. I get that uh, he's coming in and replacing Jared Cook, but they still like Darnold Parham. I get that he had the same target share in Seattle as the tight end position got in Los Angeles, but Los Angeles threw the ball 200 more times or something like that. Like I, I, I just, I don't get the Gerald Everett hype. He's, He's a good football player. He's not a great football player. I I think that's a sell, especially with people are fawning over him left and right. I've I've seen some people put him in as like a top eight dynasty tight end for right now. It's it is wild. So I'm selling at those prices. How about um, you, Sam? Concern with Irv Smith coming off an injury and either being rusty or having an injury like hamper him a little bit, like with some of these guys who have knee issues coming back. We've seen. I'm not nervous because he. this happened before the season started. So once we get to the season, he's going to be almost 15 months removed from surgery. And I don't think Jeff, uh, the guy, uh, what's his name? I'm sorry. Jeff, the 49ers fan. That's what we're going to call him. Y'all know who he is on Twitter. Uh, he tweeted this out after Irv Smith had a surgery that he didn't actually have to have the surgery. This surgery uh, was actually beneficial to him in preventing arthritis and increasing the longevity and health of his knee. So this is actually a plus that he got the surgery, and now we're going to be come September 15, 16 months removed from it happening. So I have zero concerns about the injury whatsoever. So I've got a ton, man. I love – I'm kind of a sucker for the the late-round tight end buys, but – I think a, a higher end guy is Dalton Schultz. I think he's been sort of underrated. I mean, the dude was spectacular last year, graded out awesome in all facets of the game. The Cowboys brought him back, and obviously Amari Cooper's gone. And so some things open up there for Schultz. So I'm a big fan of him, and I think he's going to live up to that kind of mid-tier tight end one value, but I don't think people really see him there. Um, there's some later, you know, deeper guys. I like Brevin Jordan Texans are not a great team. They don't have a lot of receiving options, but Brevin Jordan showed some flashes last year. And I think he's a guy who, you know, he, he was a decent prospect. He ended up not going till the fifth round, but he had, you know, he had some tools and I thought he looked really good his rookie year. Um, a few other kind of even even deeper ones, I would say these are just like dart throws in, in two tight end leagues, but a guy like Hayden Hurst who's stepping into C.J. Uzama's role, and I think C.J. Uzama's kind of just a guy. I think he's a product of that offense, and so I think Hayden Hurst can do what Uzama did, um, you know, just as a player. And then Logan Thomas, people kind of forgetting about him back in Washington. Um, and then Evan Ingram left the giants they signed ricky seals jones they'll probably draft somebody but ricky seals jones is uh i mean he's he's produced on a small level if you just want another super deep late target if he ends up being the giant starter i kind of like him a little bit um i am intrigued by the jags situation with ingram and arnold because i think they'll utilize both of them but probably neither of them are going to be like you know true 
truly um, like you, you probably can't really rely on either of them too much. Ricky Seals Jones is a converted wide receiver too, so he's got a little sneaky athleticism to him. He uh, man, just watching him play, he gets banged up a lot. He's had like a number of concussions, but he's played well when he's gotten his opportunities to. Seems like he's always on a team where he ends up filling in for like an injured tight end. It was it, last year he filled in for Logan Thomas and and had some some stretches, but I think people have kind of forgotten about Logan Thomas. Um, yep. So. He's an interesting one, but I, I think Schultz ultimately like doesn't get enough buzz for being like, I think he's truly in that kind of second tier just behind the elites at the position. And, and I, I mean, I wouldn't mind if you can kind of, you know, putting an air quotes downgrade from one of these bigger names to Schultz and pick up some additional assets. Yeah. I don't mind that. Uh, for those of you that are listening, uh, Sam is experiencing storms in his area. So he's been knocked out, but he did leave a note here that one that uh, he said he wanted us to tell you guys that Albert O is his tight end by thinks he's a top six dynasty tight end and he's all in and you guys should be too. That's funny because I didn't name a cell, but um, I just don't know if I'm I, I look I love the Broncos and I think Albert O is going to be great. But just with so many weapons, if he's like if people are expecting him to be a tight end one, I just don't know, man. I think the other guy I would sell is, is CJ Uzama. Like I said, I think he's kind of a product of the Bengals offense. Now he goes to the Jets and they also signed Tyler Conklin. I just don't know that either one of them they'll both be decent. But I think if people view Uzama as a, you know, a, like a high tight end two or whatever, I think I would would try to cash in on that in a two tight end league. I just think my issue with the Albert O stuff is when people say sell him, I'm like, he was a good tight end prospect. And I liked him coming out of Missouri. And when he got drafted by Denver, it felt like a weird landing spot. Cause I was like, you just took Noah Fant the first couple years ago. Like that's really interesting because it's like, it's not like, you know, this is Albert O doesn't profile as a backup. Like he's much better than that. So my thing was always like, you know, I'm going to draft him in the rookie drafts, stash him on the taxi squad because I primarily play two tight end leagues. And I know one day because of Albert O's profile that they're probably not going to re-sign Fant. And, you know, lo and behold, Fant gets traded to, to my squad, Seattle. And now Albert O is the starting tight end in Denver, whom they're high on. And they also felt okay trading away a better tight end, in my opinion, and no Fant because they like Albert O and, and, you know, the direction that he's headed. So, it just doesn't make sense for someone like me to just then turn around and sell when I've been waiting on this for two years. Yeah. So. And I think the only reason it seems like Sam doesn't love him as a player. I like him as a player. It's more just the fact if somebody like is banking on him being a top 12 tight end with all the targets there, I'm just not quite sold on that, but I agree. Yeah, with kind you. Of, now now th there have been, back. there have been some pretty wacky, wacky trades out there. You know, Sam dropped this in the discord, you know, somebody I believe flipped, uh, Albert O for Mark Andrews straight up. Now, if something like that happens, I mean, you know, if Kyle, Pitt, if somebody's willing to trade you Kyle Pitts for your Albert O, then obviously you say yes. But <laughs> I don't, I don't think like the list is that long before you get a trade, you know, for Albert O for another tight end straight up, and then where you have to stop and actually think about it. Like there's only a handful of guys that I'm smashing, except before you get to a point where you're like, I'm gonna sit on that one. All right. Um, I have a buy I would like to talk about real quick. He's not even really a buy. He's a go pick up off the waiver wire because he's free. And it's actually Josiah DeGuara. Um, and I say that because Robert Tunyon's ACL, Matt and I talked about the other day, so I went up and looked to 
spent a lot of time looking. Um, he is not expected to be back until early November at the earliest because he did not have surgery until like a week, a week and so after his injury, which was like the first week of, well, it was like November 8th, I believe. Um, so Josiah DeGuar, I mean, he looked fine in the second half of the season, but I mean, not only is he free, Devontae Adams just left town and he's going to be the starting tight end. They spent this, this scheme, this staff spent the third round pick on him and they've liked where he's developed. And I mean, he had a few weeks where he was a viable guy and um, I mean, he had, was it 15.6 his last game. Um, and then um, his first touchdown was when he was actually at Minnesota, but um He's free. Um, you know, he's gonna be the starting tight end for a little bit. And if you get somebody who's viable for a little bit for free until the starter comes back, I think that's somebody worth a stab, especially on your taxi squad, because you know it's only his second year. Um and I mean he he tore his ACL, but then busted off a 66-yard touchdown last season. So I mean, there's hope for this guy. He's still pretty athletic. They like him, so if you have a free spot and you're looking for a guy who's only on 23% of rosters right now, I'd go get Josiah DeGuara. And to be clear, you mean Robert Tunyon is the one who tours ACL, not DeGuara? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, my bad, my bad. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then I guess I don't have a sell, but more of a question. It was a signing last week, O.J. Howard. I don't know if you guys talked about him. I'm, did I miss that? What do you what are your thoughts on that? Big athletic freak. Does he hurt Knox? Is he gonna be viable? Because I mean I got him in my main league right now. And it's like so I, I think with OJ Howard, they're gonna just right off the top, it looks like they want to run more 12 personnel. And I remember when there was rumors circulating prior to free agency that they were supposedly pretty interested in Evan Ingram to play a big slot. They they want to feature a tight end in their slot. And I know O.J. Howard's a very good blocker, so I wonder if he plays more inline and Dawson Knox gets kicked out to the slot. That's a, that's a good point. I also almost wonder if it's not a sign that maybe they are going to try to let Josh throw even more. Um, that's I wild that. if they do that. What? I said that would be wild. If, if, if I mean, he's back-to-back -back the QB1. I mean, if they if they start letting him throw more, well, and I say that because, I mean, like, O.J. Howard's an extremely explosive vertical tight end. He's not somebody you typically want, you know, around the line of scrimmage. You know, he's best in the end zone making jump, you know, contested catches. So, I mean, like, I almost wonder if there's a world where he's a streamable tight end or, I mean. It's possible. I just. I, I can see that offense now, right? So, on you got Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis on the outside. They just signed Jamison Crowder, put him in the slot on one side, put Dawson Knox in the slot on the other, and then have O.J. Howard uh, down in a three-point stance that comes up and runs a seam route. I mean, that's that's a really solid, you know, pass. And then you have Isaiah McKenzie, who's uh, your versatile. Yeah. Yeah. Is he going to be fantasy relevant? Should I drop him and just move on? Because, I mean, like, right, just... I don't, with the Crowder signing, I think. Yeah, that's, that's what I thought, too. Like, when I saw the Crowder signing, I was like, ah. Oh. Yeah. Because like, I was like, man, like, they really like McKenzie. They just gave him two-year extension. Maybe he's the slot, and then they bring in one of the best slot guys in the league, and it's like, you got to be kidding me. 
And then just another deep guy on their pass catching crew. They really like Isaiah Hodges. I'm not yeah, saying they do. They, I'm not I'm not gonna say he's gonna replace Gabe Davis or anything like that, but he's gonna be on the roster. They they like him a lot. Yeah, I don't think he'll ever be fantasy relevant, but it'll be one of those guys who makes a catch here and there because yep. he's a he, I think they spent a fifth round pick on him the same year they drafted Gabe. And I remember hit between like I remember that rookie camp. It was like, oh, who is it? Gabe Davis or Isaiah Hodgins? Who's the guy who's gonna break out? It was a big debate. Well, Hodgins tore his ACL. Yeah, that's what came out. I mean, I remember those debates at the beginning, I guess, but that was a lot of fun. All right. Well, I mean, I guess I I don't really want to drop McKenzie, but it's like, you know, it's probably chopped liver the way it is. Because I got McKenzie and Howard, and those are probably the two sitting on the chopping block on that main league. And it's like, do you bet on a guy like OJ Howard who has the draft capital? And they gave him a decent amount of money, but it's like do you expect him to be healthy for one? And then, you know, if he's relevant, it has to hurt Knox at some point or some degree, but it's like, I don't know if he'll be relevant. Yeah. I don't know. That's a situation that I feel like bears watching throughout the summer on the surface. I don't know if OJ Howard is super fantasy relevant, but depending on how they want to use him, he could be. I wish he could have went somewhere else. Like the Colts would have been a good signing. They just lost yep. Jack Doyle. Yep. You know, now they have Matt Ryan. Um, there was some other places I was hoping he would have went. And Buffalo wouldn't have been a bad spot if they didn't already have an emerging tight end. And I just don't want that to, you know, complicate things, I guess. Uh, just now on Twitter, Marlon Mack is visiting Houston today or has visited. That would be the most Houston signing on earth. Just a guy central. Yeah. I, I don't I mean I Marlon Mack was a fine player, and if he goes to Houston, he'd probably end up being the number one if he's healthy. But I just he didn't get enough work last year to really know what he looks like. So you're kind of just taking a flyer on him if you want him free the last round. It's true. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Um, next week, I think we will plan to get into some rookie talk. There's just been so much uh, going on with free agency and trades. As always, remember to head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts. Subscribe there, only $7 a month. Got so much content coming up, especially as we get into these rookies. And uh, join us back here next week on the Fantasy Scouts podcast, where we bring you inside info you won't get anywhere else.